This podcast is sponsored by Aspire Pharma. So welcome back to episode three on our series of podcasts that explore the impact of dry skin conditions on an individual's mental health with Professor Anthony Bewey. Our first question, Dr. Bewley, is we would be very grateful if you could talk to us a little bit about the recurrent cycle of dry skin, stress and mental health. Yeah, thanks for that, Ashling, and thanks very, very much for having me back to episode three of these podcasts. Yeah, the, re- the recurrent cycle of dry skin, stress and mental health is a really important issue. We know that there is a strong link between uh, psychological or psychiatric disease and skin disease. So we know that if you get stressed or anxious and or depressed, that that can cause skin disease or can exacerbate skin disease. So, for example, we're frequently told that patients who have, let's say, a genetic likelihood to have psoriasis or vitiligo or alopecia areata or eczema or acne, they will often tell us that something stressful seemed to precipitate their skin disease. The other way around, we also know that skin disease or living with a skin disease can be very stressful. So we know that if you're living with eczema or psoriasis or alopecia areata, that that can be really quite stressful. And that can then lead to psychological consequences like loss of confidence or like uh, anxiety and or depression. And it is important to remember that anxiety and depression often coexist. So it's much more likely for patients to feel anxious and depressed rather than anxious or depressed. And then so you've got this kind of persistent Uh, self-perpetuating circle where psychological disease leads to skin disease, skin disease leads to psychological disease. So it's really difficult and it's very important to try and break that. And the golden rule of psychodermatology really is to treat the skin disease and the psychological distress at the same time. The very basis of treating skin disease is to try and re-establish better barrier function of the skin as quickly and as comprehensively as you can. And the very basis of psychological managing psychological distress is to listen to the patient and to understand what's happening. So, as I say, the golden rule really of psychodermatology is to treat the skin and the psychological distress at the same time. Part of managing the psychological distress might be trying to break the itch-scratch cycle. And there are various ways that you can do that. There are lots of nursing healthcare professionals who are trained in habit reversal, which is a behavioral technique where patients replace the habit of scratching at their skin with a different habit, like using a squeezy stress ball or pinching the skin or squeezing a piece of clothing rather than uh, scratching at the skin. And some people talk about changing claws to paws, P-A-W-S rather than P-A-U-S-E. And so, as I say, there is, we know for sure, this link between psychological distress and skin distress. And as I say, the golden rule of psychodermatology is to treat them both at the same time. You talk nice about the golden rule of psychodermatology there, but what about the golden rule of uh, emollient use? Uh, you know, what is the best emollient, if you don't mind me asking? 
It's a really important question, Manuel. So the the best emollient for a patient is the one that the patient chooses. Now, this is an important thing because, first of all, the emollient that the patient chooses may not be the same for the same part of the body. So patients may choose to have a greasier emollient on their body, but a lighter emollient on their face. Sometimes as well, it can be different at different times of the year. So we know that dry skin is often worse in winter uh, when our skin is when the, the atmosphere is cold and dry and our skin as a consequence is drier as well. So patients don't mind perhaps using a greasier emollient in the winter and a lighter emollient in the summer. So really it's important for the patient to choose. Now, along with that, uh, patients may choose then to have several emollients and they might choose to use one at one time of the day on one particular part of the body and another at a different time of the year or a different time of the day on a different part of the body. So having you know, a range of emollients available for patients can sometimes be quite helpful. That said, when you start having too many emollients, then I think patients just get confused and the emollient sits on the shelf or in the medicine cabinet and isn't used. So what I tend to try and do is to give patients a, a, a trial pack really of emollients which can be three or four and there are various pharmaceutical companies that provide patients with kind of like a starter pack really of emollients and then the patient will work out which one they like best at different times of the day or year and which ones they're going to use on different parts of the body and then they'll come back to the healthcare professional and say i'd like a, a large amount or a bit more of this one didn't like that one so um, this is the, you know, these are the couple or the two or three that I want to use. Um, please provide me with enough to keep me going. And that might be an emollient that they use as a soap substitute as well as a leave-on emollient. Um, so I like starter packs. I like a range of different emollients when we give them to the patient because it's much better that the patient chooses the treatment or the emollient that they're going to use because we know that in terms of adherence, patients are much more likely to, to adhere to the treatments and the emollients that they choose rather than the treatments that we kind of, uh, not foist on them, but that, that we recommend. It's much better that the patient uh, chooses their emollients. And that also talks to the whole idea of shared decision-making. And we know that both adherence and recurrence of dry skin um, is much better. So the adherence to the choice of the patient uses is much better, but also the recurrence of the skin problem in the first place is much less likely when uh, the patient chooses and engages with their choice of treatment. I actually I couldn't agree with you more. I think starter packs of emollients are wonderful and they really do aid kind of long-term adherence um, and also less waste. Um, so kind of moving back towards the, the psychological impact of dry skin conditions, I'd really like to know your thoughts on the impact of social media and the pressures to look a certain way. Yeah, I mean, I think social media has huge benefits for lots of patients and there are patients 
um, who look at other patients' blogs, and that can be really helpful. So I know that there are various blogs for patients who live with psoriasis, various blogs for patients who live with eczema. And I think that patients find that useful because um, they're given the message very clearly that they're not the only person who's struggled with psoriasis or dry skin or atopic eczema. But also they know that the sort of challenges that patients face on a day-to-day basis are not specific to them. And lots and lots of people struggle with some of these changes, some of these challenges too. So, for example, I know that some of the bloggers have talked about challenges that they have from choosing to do sport, like going into a swimming pool. Or I know that one of my blogger colleagues has talked about trying to board a flight with an obvious skin disease. And the flight attendant made a comment about the patient's skin disease and and asked whether they were infectious or whether they were able to fly on that particular flight, which was outrageous. And I think that the blogger and the social media um, message that that blogger put out to not allow that kind of um, disrespectful, ill-informed behaviour was really very, very useful. The downside of social media is that um, there can be some unregulated and not very helpful messages which are put around for patients. For example, um, if you look at social media, there are some people who will say, I've got a cure for psoriasis or I've got, uh, you know, read my book and your eczema will always get better. So there are some claims that, that are made on social media which are unfounded and unregulated. And that's where we as healthcare professionals can be really helpful because we can um, provide patients with, uh, you know, an evidence-based perspective about where they can find support, uh, but at the same time where they can engage with social media in a way that is evidence-based and respectful. And it's not just us as healthcare professionals that can signpost patients in that way. It's also patient advocacy groups like the Psoriasis Association or the National Eczema Society, which can also help in that way. And finally, the social media, um, because of the current celebrity championing of, of celebrity in, in Western culture at the moment, social media can sometimes put pressure on individuals and patients to have a certain body style or a certain body shape. Um, and and I think that that can be challenging. And uh, there are um, kind of organizations that challenge that, for example, changing faces, um, which make it very clear that all of our different bodies, all of our different body shapes and all of our different skin tones and all of our different um, choices in terms of hair or nails, all of the diversity in different skin types is always to be respected. So trying to force individuals to have a certain um, aesthetic may not be that helpful. And if I can ask you a question also about while we're on social media about dermfluencers. So for people that don't know, a dermfluencer is a self-title that people that that post on social media about dermatology give themselves. And what are your views on kind of regulation of the, these 
Yeah, I'm probably not a brilliant person to ask about this because I'm not a derm influencer or derm influencer. Um, but I know that some of my colleagues, particularly my younger consultant colleagues, are very keen to embrace this and to to provide a service in terms of uh, derm influencer. What's my view about this? I think that uh, sometimes this can be really helpful. Um, so, for example, patients may often say to me, what's your usual skin regime, doctor? And I think to myself, I don't really have a skin regime. I don't really know about um, some of the things that you can read about in magazines like cleanse, tone and moisturize. I don't really have a skin regime. And so I'll ask my uh, colleagues who may have a skin regime and certainly may have more knowledge about a skin regime than I do for their advice. So sometimes it can be helpful. But the point about regulation is well made because there are lots of influencers that may push patients into feeling less than adequate about their skin in whatever way it might be and try and push a certain aesthetic, a certain appearance of the skin, which may not be very helpful. And that might be, um, you know, a certain skin tone or a a certain uh, skin texture. Whereas in my view, I want to respect the skin that the patient is in and welcoming patients to uh, to be very happy with whatever their skin is. Um, so, for example, whenever I give talks to medical students or uh, or other colleagues or patients, I'll ask the audience who here, which member of the audience is totally happy with their skin. Who here is really totally happy with their skin? And I can have audiences of hundreds of people, and it's usual that very, very few people put their hand up at that point. Um, Very few people indeed. So the majority of us live with a little bit of dissatisfaction about our skin. And I look forward to the day when the whole audience puts their hand up and says, yeah, you know what, I'm totally happy with my body, with the skin that I have and the shape that I am. But no, that's a very positive uh, end, so thank you very much. Would you have any other take-home messages from this episode? I think the most important take-home message uh, from from this episode um, is really about the making sure that the patient is at the centre of the choice of the emollients that they may want to, uh, to use onto their skin, um, but also making sure that that is kept as simple and as straightforward as possible. And then the other take-home message is to reiterate the idea of the golden rule of psychodermatology, which is treating the skin and the psychological distress at the same time. Fantastic. Well, lovely. Thank you very much for your time. And we look forward to chatting to you again for episode four, which will be coming out soon. Thank you. Thank you.